Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. And Byron, before we get started, we want to welcome all the new listeners to the show, all our repeat uh, past listeners. Welcome back. And just before we get into everything, just let the listeners know what the show is about, what we're going to be covering this week. New listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, people that have checked in with us before, thank you for coming back. You know what we do on here. We break down news and politics on a weekly basis. Try to tell you what's important. We also try to cover things that don't cover as much in the mainstream media. Before we get into the serious stuff, uh, actually, this time, the beginning of the segment, Frank, it, it's somewhat serious. Uh, everybody's been talking about it. Uh, the Pepsi commercial that debuted last week. Uh, for those of you that didn't see it, uh, I'm sure you heard a lot about it, but pretty much you got Kylie Jenner. You got protesters and you got the police. That already just sounds like a bad recipe on the, on the surface. But basically, you have protesters. You have Kylie Jenner. She's taking some pictures or whatever. And she decides to join the protesters and they confront the cops. And she uh, walks up to one of the officers and hands them a Pepsi. And, and Frank, all is well. Um, it kind of trivializes. The, uh, the seriousness of the whole Black Lives Matter or any protest group that goes against that clashes with uh, law enforcement and just pretty much breaking it down to, hey, a simple Pepsi will will solve all your problems. I assume that this had to be ran by a group of people who had to run it by another group of people and so on before it got uh, produced and, and, and made and aired. How does something like this happen, Frank, without somebody saying, uh, uh I don't think this is a good idea, guys. We may want to change this up a little bit. How, how does this happen? And will Pepsi suffer uh, long term for this commercial? To answer your second question first, I don't think they're going to suffer long term as, as much as people say they're going to boycott Pepsi. The problem is Pepsi is so entrenched in so many places uh, and, and, and there's there's no way around it. Like either you would have to say, OK, we're not if we go anywhere but there's Pepsi. I'm not going to drink anything. I mean, that could be done, but I don't think it will be. I don't think the veracity of a movement to boycott Pepsi is really there. Uh, um, as far as how does it get past and how does that get into production? It's a real it's a, it shows you how divided the country is and it shows you the uh, how would you say white privilege trivializing the struggles of minorities. Uh, we obviously we had Tim Wise on the show and. Like I said, you can go back and listen to that interview or any other interview on our YouTube page. And you can also check us out on iTunes, uh, Podbean, Google Play, or Stitcher to, to hear that whole episode as well. And they, that's just it's only in a, only in America they'd be that tone deaf. The idea of just protesting in general, going back to say, just let's say the civil rights movement, right? Just even going back there and that visual of, you know, a Bull Connor and people being sprayed with fire hoses and the things being said in the obscenities. So the protesting, certainly of minorities, especially African-Americans, should never, ever be marginalized, even if it wasn't going on now. Even civil rights being 50, 60 years ago, is never, it's never time for that to be marginalized. So just completely tone deaf on their part. And it shows that there shows a divide in the country that people didn't even there's a group of people that didn't even think that was a big deal. Like they didn't even think, wow, that might offend a lot of people, not just Black Lives Matter, but just any movement in general that's trying to work against the oppression that this country has against minorities. It's just to me, it was completely tone deaf. And again, to have a, a Kardashian or a Jenner, whatever they are, whatever she is in there, it makes it just even more 
insane as you as you would say it's not even as if i i don't know if i guess i can't i can't say it would have been better if it had been a black woman they would have given the pepsi because they would have been even more crazy but either way it, it was completely tone deaf and it happened because white privilege allowed this to happen because nobody saw anything wrong there were there was a there was this this group was so insulated they said huh okay this is a cool response to all the protests going on we have no idea what they're really about and what people are really frustrated they have no idea that tamir rice uh you know michael brown michael moore uh alton sterling philando castillo uh, terrence crutcher we have we have no idea about these situations so it's okay a pepsi would make it all right so that's where we are in this world, and so it just it just shows how divided we are. It, it, it speaks to uh, the tone deafness of it, and just the lack of diversity within the company and and everybody that had a hand in this. So I did like Bernice Bernice King's uh, response to it on Twitter, and um, I think Coke should come up with a clever way to capitalize on this, kind of make fun of Pepsi's blunder and 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 show how serious everything that's going on in that portrayal was. Um, with that said, though, now we can get into some politics. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now, your host, Welcome back Frank to another and episode Byron. of Politically Entertaining. As always, we ask you guys to subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, as well as podcasts on Google Play. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to under Politically Entertaining. Uh, Last week we had Montrez Slater on there, and I just want to say real quick, I rarely listen to our interviews more than once. This is one of the few times I went back. I actually listened to it twice, man. The interview was that good. If you haven't checked it out, go back to uh, last week's episode with Montrez Slater of Late Gate Radio. Check them out. Check out the uh, interview and his show that uh, comes on every Monday and Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern. You'll like it. Um I wanted to talk to you first, man. I feel like, and I want to know if you share this feeling, I feel like we are on the brink of war with somebody. And a couple of things happened last week, it seemed like, all at once. First, you had the terror incident in Russia where over 80 people were killed from an explosion on uh, the mass transit train there. Uh, another 100 to 200 people were injured. Uh, I think like a day later or maybe even the same day, North Korea tested another uh, ballistic missile. They're not supposed to be doing that, but they said, you know, we're going to do what we want. And then you had what's going on in Syria where Assad, it appears he gassed his people, uh, women, children, a lot of innocent people there. He uh, he gassed them and they've been a problem for a while. So with all three of those coming together. You got our secretary of state, Rex Tillerson. He pretty much said, look, we're done talking about North Korea. Uh, the, the time for talking is over. So he's talking like America is ready to pop off when it comes to uh, North Korea. Uh, you know, we're in love with terror, terrorism, good and bad. I mean, we definitely 
should pay attention because of the attacks that we had back on 9-11. Sometimes I do think we're a little too obsessed with terrorism, but because that hit Russia, that's going to get our attention. And then again, going back to the Obama administration, Syria has been a problem. I just feel a war is coming. Uh, my question for you is, what is your sort, sir, tweet a lot, president? What is he going to do? Because he has a lot to say about what America will and, and will not tolerate. So what is he going to do with these three major issues going on that seem to be in a way testing and, and pretty much saying, what are you going to do about it? I don't, I don't think you'll see anything with North Korea. I don't think we want that fight. I don't think we've wanted that fight for a number of years. You go back to uh, George W. Bush. And the axis of evil he talked about, he invaded Iraq, but he didn't touch North Korea. And, you know, obviously President Obama didn't have the same type of rhetoric, but he didn't really have anything for North Korea. Uh, I think that's when Dennis Rodman went, was over there. And so I don't think that there's going to be anything that this administration has for North, North Korea. I think North Korea is going to continue to do what they want to do. And that's that. Now, as far as what happened in, in uh, obviously in Russia, you know, that's something that I don't necessarily think we we would get directly involved in. But to your point about a war coming, I definitely see us taking action in Syria. I know there's already been talk, especially from people like uh, John McCain, about taking out their air, air uh, you know, air, um, excuse me, basically bombing their airfields and taking out their air, their air um, weapons. And so to speak, I'm sorry, I'm not speaking well on this. I'm not a military strategist, of course. But, their, their planes and aircraft. Yes, yeah. right. Taking out their their artillery in the air, basically using, you know, basically we're going to do airstrikes to ground their, their their air capabilities. So I definitely think you could see that coming because I feel like at this point, tr Trump is in a position where if he just completely allows Assad to just do this, then he's already dying. He's already died on health care. He's already died. He's, you know, he's probably going to die on the wall everything that he said he was going to do that sounded so good it's like and then he's going to you know do all this stuff and be tough on terror and things like that it, it, we'll see i mean i would think that there would be some response i think that's where you'll see the response if anywhere is in syria if you don't see it there i, I would be a little bit surprised but yeah it is unsettling to think that we're in a position where we're being tested and i think that um i don't know you know i don't i don't i'm not going to give away any spoilers on the show homeland because i watch it but one, one of the lines that was said was uh, very true. Presidents don't um, get chances. They get tested. And this is one of those times where what is what is the administration going to do? You know, they've 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 had all these travel bans, all these other things. But here's a real terrorist attack that's really happening. Innocent people have died. There's video of babies dead. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? And so we'll just have to see. But like I said, I, nothing's going to happen with North Korea. I just do not see. There's, there's, it's, that's an untenable situation where it's uncomfortable. But at the same time, they have enough nukes to do major damage. We have enough do, nukes to do major damage. There's no, it's a stalemate there. But I do think that you could see something happening in Syria very shortly, uh, depending on how the administration wants to play it. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say, though, don't, I'm not surprised if the next time we're on air that we're in some type of uh, uh, conflict or war. Uh, this president we have, he's, he's hard to predict because he says one thing, but he doesn't always like, like you mentioned with some of the things he's promised. He doesn't do what he says. So you mentioned the wall, even if he gets the wall done, 
we're paying for it. Unlike what he said when he was campaigning that Mexico would do it. And I want to get into it some more and transition specifically to Syria, because this president had a lot to say about Syria when Obama was president. And I noticed the pattern with him because he's so obsessed with winning. He likes to choose all sides of an issue. That way, whenever the outcome comes, he can say, well, that's what I said. So I was right. Yeah, you said that, but you also said the complete opposite. So like in 2013, he said it would be a mistake for Obama to go into Syria without congressional support. And then in 2015, he was like, we should let ISIS in Syria fight it out. Why do we have to go in there? We, we, sh we should have we have no business in Syria. We don't need to be in there. So. He's blaming Obama now, today, presently, since he's president, saying Obama should have taken care of this. I guess he's forgetting that Obama went to Congress, asked, you know, asked to uh, go into Syria. The House Republicans voted no on that. Now, to give you all the facts, they claim they voted no because Obama's plan wasn't strong enough. Yet, as you mentioned, McCain, Senator Graham are saying that we should at least go in there and bomb their, their airplanes in Syria. Well, that sounds like a limited plan to me as well. So, you know, just, just make of that as you will. But I guess my other question to you is staying on Syria. Should that be our problem or should we stay out of it? I think it's tough. I mean, I think that when you campaign the way Trump campaigned, we, it's going to be hard for us to stay out of it. Um, I mean, yes, he did say we're going to take care of America, but you look at this from a standpoint of if you allow this kind of attack to happen in a country, then what is America? What do we really stand for in America? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I think there's this idea that we're so patriotic and you know, everybody who's upset about, you know, Colin Kaepernick for the flag and things like that. We're people who have died for freedom and, and saving other people not just in this country but outside the country as well and so you know if you're not upset at this happening and us not responding you, you shouldn't be upset about Colin Kaepernick kneeling I mean you need to understand what patriotism is and it's it's not just protecting our board it's also protecting the those the weak and those who can't defend themselves the fatherless those are all those things that are I'm doing air quotes here Christian principles so to speak that this nation claims they're, they're founded on yet we'd be willing to stand aside just because it's not our problem I just have, I just, you know, like I said, I don't, I, I think, I think that there should have been a response earlier. And as you mentioned, it was, it was not approved by Congress. And now I just think that Assad did that to be like, Hey, what you going to do about it? I can ask <laughs> these people, you know, what are you not going to really step, step up and do anything? You don't really want it here. And I think that he doesn't have anything to lose because he's trying to punk America and you know, yes, if we go in and bomb him and all this and that, yes, we, we would eventually overwhelm them. But again, then you're looking at another situation like, do we really want to invade Syria? Do you want a ground occupation in Syria? And how do we get out of that? I think that's the thing that's very difficult to understand. Another thing that people are looking at is it was it was one thing to say, hey, you know, Saddam was saying we're going to take him out. And then you see the instability that was left when he was gone. So I think there is some measure of caution being said, huh, we can take out Assad. But are we going to put a puppet government in, in place or and how, and how's that going to work? How's that worked out in Iraq? And, and I think that that's the other devil's advocate argument to not getting involved. But I think that to me, the correct response would be to find a way to 
um, have some, you know, we have to work with our allies. It can't just be an American thing. Like we need to have some allies, which is a, which is one of the reasons why we have allies in the Middle East to figure out how to how to deal with the situation so that we're not just committing all of our troops down and saying, okay, hey, we're another American invasion. But it's something that's going to have to be carefully thought about. But it definitely needs to be thought about because if you allow us to happen now in one place, someone else will try to do the same thing. And then what are you going to do when you have five or six people, dictators, who are gassing their people? It's not your problem? I mean, at what point does it become the world's problem when people, innocent people are being killed who can't defend themselves? Man, you brought up some great points. Uh, that is one of the biggest problems that we face once we went into Iraq is what do you replace that government with once you take that leader out? The other conundrum in, in Syria is uh, it's, it's almost as if Assad played the long game because a couple of years ago he asked for help from Russia to help him fight, you know, the uh, the terrorists in his country and the, the rebels. So Russia is pretty much on Assad's side. So if we go in there to take out Assad, that puts us at odds with Russia. So that's another another item to figure out as we continue to have these are they our enemy? Are they not our enemy? Relationship with with Russia, so it's it's just a, a whole bunch of things to think about. And you're right; it reminds me of Iraq all over again. And I mean, your move, Commander in Chief, you had all the answers on Twitter when 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 Obama was president. So you know, figure it out. <laughs> uh, I want to take a minute, real quick, uh, folks, uh, new listeners, current listeners. Uh, I want to invite you all to blackawakenings.myshopify.com. We have they have shirts on there for sale, sweatshirts. Uh, also, Frank and I we're we're writing weekly articles. Uh, there's a Byron and Frank tab on the menu button of the website. Every Monday we're posting uh, new articles. But they have some great shirts there. And for our listeners, if you purchase one of these shirts or whatever you purchase on there, you can use the discount code Byron and Frank. Write it as one word, Byron and Frank, and you get 10% off your complete uh, total. But they have some great shirts on there. Rosa Parks, uh, Harriet Tubman, a great shirt that I just not too long ago bought uh, states, if you are silent about your pain, they will kill you and say you enjoyed it. So you can find a lot of cool shirts on this website. Again, blackawakenings.myshopify.com. Check out the items they have for sale on there. And check check me and Frank out once a week. Uh, we posted some pretty good articles on that. I think you'll like it. Um, we're doing an abbreviated uh, show. We're going to be off next week, but so much happened last week that Frank and I just felt compelled to, uh, you know, just bring you a little bit uh, of the news. So uh, we're going to get out of here in a minute. But I want to I want to get a little self congratulatory real quick, Frank, because last week you called uh, Bill O'Reilly a racist. And on that same show, I call for Chairman Nunes of the House Intelligence Committee to at least at the very least recuse himself from this Russia probe. A lot of people were asking him to resign. I said, hey, you don't even have to resign. At the very least, just recuse yourself from Russia. I'm proud to report today, brother, that due to the pressure of politically entertaining, ads have pulled away from Bill O'Reilly, his uh, Sexual harassment complaints have come out. Uh, they're doing press conferences, calling him out on his actions. And Nunes recused himself. He's staying on as House chairman. 
but he said he's going to uh, step down during this entire Russia probe. So um, my question for you is, what do you think about the show's impact? And on a more serious question, uh, will Bill O'Reilly last? Will he survive this? Because he is the number one rated program on Fox News. His ass, the ass they did pull, but they stayed on Fox News. They just pulled their ass from his show and just deviated him to other shows on Fox News. So do you see him outlasting this latest, uh, I don't know if you want to call it controversy or scandal, or will he eventually be forced to uh, step down? Well, one, I think the show's impact is is, is incredible. You know, I, I know that we can we can make change. I think that one of the things that, you know, you don't think can happen and obviously not seriously contributing, attributing all those things happen to the show. But it is media outlets like us that allow that put the pressure on Nunez to have to step down that, you know, or maybe turning up the heat on Bill O'Reilly and having people feel comfortable coming out. I think that one of the things that Maxine Waters did, especially, and we talked about her a little bit last week, was her strength and her response gave people the resolve, the other women who had been harassed, to come out and say, you know what, I don't want to take, you know, it was wrong what happened to me, and I, I've been feeling sick about that for a long time, and, you know, I, thought, I, I think people who have ever, if you've ever been the victim of abuse, and you've ever been a victim of anything, really, abuse or uh, taken advantage of, whether it be financially or anything, it sticks with you for a long time. And sometimes you feel ashamed when, when those things happen. And sometimes it takes uh, a strong person or a person who is fighting the cause to come out to make to embolden you to make you feel like, you know what? Yeah, that happened to me, too. And, I, you know, and it's been bothering me. And here's how I feel. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to have to resign. I think it's going to I think it's going to be a long battle. He doesn't probably want to resign. He wants it to blow over. But I, I don't think it will, because I think that because there's so many women and women um, have, have made a, a, a big deal out of it and kind of put pressure and he's already losing ads. I think that he's just going to have to go away. I think I, I do. I think it's the end of his career. Not necessarily, but I think that he's going to go away for Fox News, go away on Fox News for the, the 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 foreseeable future. Now he could resurface somewhere else because hell, Elliot Spitzer resurfaced right after his scandal, so he'll get a show somewhere sometime. But this could be the end of his run on Fox News uh, for a period of time, which you know, which is as much as you can hope for in today's climate. But people like him, so he'll be back somewhere. But right now, the pressure might be too much for him to continue to stay on Fox News. I think that they. Uh, have have already dealt with a lot of heat um, regarding him and, I, and and you never know one thing you did mention was you said hey they pull their ads and put them in other places maybe some of that is contingent upon Bill O'Reilly also not having a platform anymore either you don't really know all those um, things how they work so we'll have to see how it plays out but I do think his days are numbered on Fox News not necessarily his career but certainly he could be uh, at the end of his run on Fox News. Uh, we shall see. Uh, my other question for you, real quick, uh, with with Nunez, uh, as I said, he's recusing himself from this Russia probe. Did he go far enough? Because a lot of uh, Democrats were saying that he needed to step down entirely as chairman of the House Intelligence Committee because he doesn't work for the White House, and his actions were that of someone that worked for the president and the executive branch. He's legislative branch. He's the House of Representatives. The things that he did when it came to uh, revealing so-called evidence uh, to to the White House, that that was, in my opinion, unethical. He's actually the subject of a uh, House eth- ethics probe as we speak. 
But uh, do you think he went far enough or, or is this satisfactory to you with him recusing himself as uh, the chairman during this Russia probe? I would have liked this. I would like to have seen him resign. I mean, I think I, I think I kind of said that. I know you were more actually a little more lenient in saying he just can recuse himself. But I, I would like to see him resign because he acted unethically to me in a position that especially when you have an investigation of espionage and, and treason potentially like we're looking at. There can't be any funny business. This is this isn't like a routine audit or something, or you know, a, a cursory check of some some thing. This is this is investigating the national security as it been compromised in the United States. And as you mentioned about you know the Assad regime and Russia backing them and us potentially getting into a war with them, it's like you don't know how that's been how that's compromised our policies going forward in, in, a, in a situation like this or even other situations. So. It's a very serious thing. So do I think it went far enough? No, not for my taste. But will I accept the recusal? Yeah, sure. That That's a start. That's great. Hopefully what I want to see is some things come out because I just feel like there's so much smoke and for there to be no fire revealed would just I just can't believe I wouldn't believe it at this point. There's got to be something, a smoking gun somewhere uh, that kind of puts all this out there and puts this to light. So I'd like to see um, that that come to light eventually. Chairman Nunes stated that he saw evidence of uh, the Obama administration wiretapping Trump. So I think if this evidence turns out to be, you know, false or or grossly exaggerated, I think there would be pressure from probably Republicans as well for him to step down as chairman, because then you're talking about a blatant lie and a whole host of other things. And going back to Bill O'Reilly, it's no surprise to anyone that y'all president said that Bill O'Reilly did nothing wrong. He shouldn't have settled with any of those women. And uh, he did absolutely nothing wrong. He doesn't know any of the facts. He just knows O'Reilly did nothing wrong. But what do you expect from somebody that grabs? Well, you know what he grabs. Go ahead and take us out, Frank. Again, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Thank you if this is your first time. We hope to see you back again soon. Uh, you know, just there's just so much going on. Just keep your eyes open. Again, make sure you're checking the apps. Vote Spotter, Countable. They allow you to see what your local representatives and congressmen are voting for, what they're voting on, and so you can make sure that they're holding up the promises that they that they made when you elected them into office, and and you can hold them accountable if they're not doing such a thing. We just want to uh, encourage you to make sure you check us out on um, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play. Also, as Byron mentioned earlier in the show, blackawakenings.myshopify.com. Use the code Byron and Frank. That's B-Y-R-O-N-A-N-D-F-R-A-N-K. Save 10% on a great shirt, whether it be Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass, uh, Harriet Tubman. Just a lot of great shirts to express uh, you know your pride and in, in not just being an african-american but just the the triumphs that have gone on um, in this country for for uh, civil rights and things like that just it's just really a great way to, to express that uh, we just want to thank you uh, for listening and we'll see you guys soon on another episode of politically entertaining thank you for listening to politically entertaining be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.